The Specialty Stories podcast is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. This is the Specialty Stories podcast, session number two. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you will want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome back to the Specialty Stories Podcast, session number two. We are a whole two weeks in last week's episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out in your favorite podcast app, all about dermatopathology. Something I, I never really even thought of, dermatopathology. I'm excited to learn a lot more about all these amazing specialties there are and hear from physicians that are doing these specialties, that are practicing this every day and find out why they're doing it and what you, the pre-med and medical student, can be thinking about as you are deciding where to go. This week, we're going to dive in and talk all about community emergency medicine. My name is Dan Fries. I'm in emergency medicine. When did you know you wanted to be an emergency medicine physician? I guess that relatively early on compared to most medical students, uh, and it was actually before medical school, I was in a what would kind of be called a combined program in college where we got early acceptance into medical school, uh, though there was no shortage. Uh, there's no shortening of the period. It was still an eight-year college and medical school. And part of that program was your junior and senior year of college, uh, you actually did what would be considered med school rotations, like third year, fourth year rotations. Uh, as an undergrad, you obviously didn't have any responsibility, but it was kind of, I guess you'd say maybe trumped up shadowing, where you actually had a role, you kind of were there for a month or two months, people got to know you, and you, I mean, you had very basic roles as opposed to a purely shadowing. And I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. Uh, my mind was open, but uh, that's kind of one of the things I was interested in. But the pediatrics rotation was always very popular, and the seniors got it. So as a third year, a junior, I had to pick something to do, and emergency medicine sounded good, so I picked that one. Honestly, probably a couple hours into the first shift, I was like, what was I thinking? This is what I want to do. I just loved the fast-paced atmosphere, kind of all the people. Everyone kind of seemed like me, was down to earth. So I obviously went into medical school with my mind open, trying to see if anything could knock emergency medicine off the pedestal. But honestly, from that that first day of shadowing, if you will, it's kind of what I wanted to do. What do you think led to that decision? You mentioned the fast pace and down-to-earth people, but what do you think, what what pulled you and continually reaffirmed this decision for you? Um, I mean, a lot of emergency medicine physicians say they're kind of, they're ADHD, like they kind of want to be in a lot of directions at once, and that, that fits well with emergency medicine. I don't know that that's technically my personality. Um, but I do like a lot of variety. I like kind of not knowing what's going to come in next, what's going to happen next. I love every day being completely different, uh, as opposed to a job where you kind of go to office hours and you know, you have these appointments at these times and these are the people you're going to see and you kind of know what they're going to say, uh, and what you're going to say, uh, every day is totally different in the emergency department. So I hate to say it's a little bit of an adventure every day you show up. Um, but I kind of like that aspect of it, uh, as well as I'm kind of person that, not to say I own the room, because uh, I don't, but I like meeting a lot of people. I like talking to people. I like kind of conversing with people I don't know and learning about people. 
uh, which goes along goes well with emergency medicine. Actually, probably uh, an inherent part of that uh, specialty. Would you say that you're an extrovert? Yeah, I think so. Do you think introverts can be good emergency medicine physicians? Yes, they can. It's a little different. Um, and actually, I mean, one of my partners I can think of, I would definitely say he's an introvert. But he sort of creates a bond with a patient in a different way. I'm a little more of the energetic, like, nice to meet you, kind of let's quickly get to know each other and let's find out what's going on with you, uh, almost with a little bit of energy. Whereas he's very calm, collected, almost what you kind of picture. I, I know it's for, if this is for millennials, they're not going to know what we're talking about, but Mark as well be uh, kind of very buttoned up doctor approach. You can trust me. Uh, let me help you. And I think he has that lot more of that personality. Uh, and that can work in emergency medicine. Um, and maybe you're not going to be quite as fast or as energetic, but it can definitely work. You can make it work to your advantage. What type of setting are you in? Are you in a community hospital? Or are you in an academic hospital? I'm in a community hospital, though in the Northeast, as you probably may know from being in Boston recently, uh, what we define as a community, as a, well, is actually what I would call a mid-sized community hospital. But by Northeast definitions, that's very different than national definitions. Naturally, a mid-sized emergency department is probably twenty to 40,000 visits. Mine is about 60, whereas just in the Northeast, we have generally bigger hospitals. But I've also worked with a residency I graduated from, UConn. I've worked at their main site. Uh, intermittently over the last couple of years as per diem, doing a couple shifts a month, and then switched over to actually one of their other, commu- what's considered their community sites, though it's still an academic center, and worked a couple shifts there. Though actually over the last couple of years, or actually, sorry, last couple of months, I've actually kind of focused back to where, where I am right now, just pure large community hospital. What factored into that decision for you of working in a community hospital versus an academic hospital and having the residents around you? <clears throat> Um, I like the teaching aspect and the variety aspect of the teaching and being with residents. Kind of, I like learners. I've always, even through college, like I love kind of, hate to say mentoring high school students, but that kind of programs where you were interacting with people a little bit, like one step below you. And I've always enjoyed that. I love teaching. More than anything else in academics, what I really like is just the atmosphere, the kind of searching for knowledge atmosphere, whereas even the attendings that have been out 30 years are a little more of an a, I want to learn something new mindset. Let me learn from you, even though you're younger than me mindset, than in community. Uh, on the flip side, things are always a little crazy in academics. There's obviously a lot more patients. It's often a little busier. The processes with a lot of residents can be a little tough. Uh, whereas the community, you can really fine tune a lot of that stuff, and it's a, a lot better flow. Sometimes you feel like you can take more time with patients. So I like both aspects of it. Well, one thing I would add is everyone, I, think, I actually do some residency interviewing for the program that I help with. And it's one of those, uh, everyone says they want to go into academics because kind of that's what you're supposed to say. But uh, I don't know that that's true. You figure 80% of people are not going to go into anything academic. They're going to go into pure community. So I don't think it's bad to kind of evaluate yourself and say like, you know, I think I would like to work in community medicine and I'd like to be good at that. I think you have to find what's best for you. For me, it's kind of a split. But uh, for the med students out there, I know some med students have talked to me and said they kind of feel bad not saying they want to be a residency director, not saying they want to go into academics. But I don't think you have to feel bad about that. Uh, you have to kind of find what role is best for you. Describe a typical day for you. Uh, well, in emergency medicine, uh, there's no definition as to when it starts. I have shifts that start as early as 7 a.m. I have afternoon shifts that start at 3 or 5, and I have overnight shifts that start at 10 or 11. So depending on the day, it would depend what shift I have. I 
kind of get ready, put my scrubs on, show up at work, and sign into the computer, see who's next to see, and uh, go from there. Sometimes it's busy, sometimes it's it's not. Sometimes you're jumping to see a real sick patient. Sometimes you're seeing a lot of what we consider urgent care patients. And then ideally when my shift ends, I clean things up and kind of take care of all my patients as quickly as I can to get home. Sometimes that means staying a little extra. Sometimes you're out right on time. But I think by my description, you can kind of tell what I was saying before is there isn't really a predictable day, which is something I like. You mentioned having different shift times and, and working different shifts. Is there a point in your career where you can work the same shift every day or whatever days of the week you're working? I'll change your question a little bit. I don't know that it's a point in your career. There are people that have managed that. I mean, you'll find actually something that we tell our residents to someone avoid when they're looking for a job uh, is there are some places where it's kind of, well, this person just works day shifts, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because they've been there 25 years and it's hard for them. And, and not even as hard for them, but like <laughs> sort of they've earned, they've earned their prime shifts, which is probably not something you want your group to have everyone have their niche shift and other people get stuck with everything else. But that is an option, uh, especially if you move up in leadership, you can kind of pick your shifts a little bit better. And especially a lot of directors or assistant directors might not work overnights just because they have meetings the next day. So that's one way to control it. But I will say what is very common in groups and actually very helpful for the group, some people will often trade some stability in their shifts for not as desirable shifts. So, for example, I know in my groups in the past, we've had people that worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, every day, every week. So they worked all weekends. It doesn't mean they can't have a weekend off if they want to take vacation, but they trade kind of having that predictable schedule and having a nice three-day period off every week for that unpredictable, for that um, doing the weekends. You could be a night doctor. Most groups are so willing to have a night doctor that uh, they will say, just pick your days, pick whatever days you want to work, as long as you work enough days. If you'll do dedicated nights, that's one way to control, kind of control the irregularity of shifts. So there's ways to do it. Most people don't. Because one of the benefits of emergency medicine is we don't work quite as many hours as what would be considered typical for doctors. So we do have some flexibility, much as our shifts are moving around a lot. We do have some flexibility in when we work in terms of days and times. Describe that shift work schedule to someone who's listening that may not understand what that means as an emergency medicine physician to be a shift worker. Well, it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> as, much, as much, I guess maybe the greatest thing in the world would be to have shift work where you work to the same shift every day, which is what most of the world does. And arguably, I think what probably should happen in emergency medicine, but there's obviously some barriers to it. Because it's hard to get people to work every shift in an unpredictable, uh, less desirable shift. In terms of the shift work, comparing it to other specialties, if you will, it's much like probably people have grown up doing, working through high school and college, where you we're scheduled from this time to that time, working at a store, working at an office, stuff like that. And just know when you're showing up and when you're scheduled to leave. In emergency medicine, it's so unpredictable that, I mean, there isn't a, usually a hard stop at the end of your shift. Uh, though there are some groups that do do that. Simply when your time is over, you sign out any patients you have and the next person just accepts it. Most emergency groups, it's kind of a, a balance. You sign out patients that are going to be there well after your shift. But for the most part, you might stick around a little extra, even half an hour, an hour after your shift to get everything organized and take care of your patients that you've been taking care of your, during your shift. But it's a, it's a little different mentality than, say, someone in internal medicine that might show up and be there for 24 hours, 36 hours, or have office hours and then have to go to the hospital afterwards, or have office hours and they go to the hospital during lunch, 
then they're back in office hours. We have very set time periods when we're scheduled to be there. And the benefit is you're off the other time. There's no call for the most part. You're not going to work, seeing your patients during the day, and then getting calls at night from your patients. You literally go in, and when you're on the clock, you're on the clock. And when you're off the clock, you go home. And other than administrative stuff, you're, you're not getting calls from patients or anything like that. You're, you're off the clock. Is there any discussion among emergency medicine physicians about shift work and the negative effects that it has on health and stress and everything else that comes with it? Well, there's, there's definitely a lot of discussion, actually, over the last two years. One of the highlighted points of the American College of Emergency Physicians is working on physician wellness, uh, and that's a strong piece of it. There's obviously studies out there, which many people have heard of, that say if you work third shift or the overnight, it cuts off, I'm making this up, but cuts off five years off your life or something like that. Um, you're more likely to be unhappy and all these other things. And those are studies not necessarily done in medicine. They're done more in working for Ford Motor Company, making cars in the middle of the night, or, or working at the electric company overnight. Uh, it's not specific to medicine. I've not seen any studies that say, specifically in medicine, like here's the effects of working uh, shift work. But uh, overall, there probably are health detriments of switching your shift around a lot. But it's a, uh, there's definitely ways that you can work around it, definitely ways you can set your schedule up that, are, that work best for you, uh, that may not work best for other people. And you, as I said, uh, within emergency medicine, there is a lot of discussion of kind of ways to avoid burnout, uh, ways to kind of diversify your career near the end of your career. If you feel like it's uh, when you're hitting 40, the 40s and 50s and maybe it's getting a little tougher to switch shifts physiologically, maybe you go part-time in emergency medicine two-thirds time and you have something else on the side. Maybe you go into administration a little bit. Maybe you work at a free clinic another time. There's a million... One of the benefits of emergency medicine is it's very flexible. There are a lot of things outside medicine you can do. There are a lot of medical activities you can do that you're very qualified for as an emergency physician that don't always involve pure clinical work. What traits do you think lead to being a good emergency medicine physician? Definitely flexibility. Uh, I hate to say a uh, being empathetic. I think that applies to all medicine. But someone who can make a quick relationship with a patient or another individual. I think probably the person that kind of makes friends easily, someone who kind of sees the best in everyone as opposed to kind of finding their one or two friends and, and sticking with them. But some of you have to be very flexible. You have to like unpredictability or be okay with unpredictability. But someone that's sort of outgoing and can make, make a quick connection with patients and also someone that's okay with not having long-term connections with patients. Medical students get in a little trouble when they like emergency medicine, but then they realize that they might want some long-term relationships with patients. And unfortunately, I have long-term relationships with a lot of my patients, uh, but not in the way you would like. But it is a different mentality of kind of a quick hit, get to know someone quick, create a bond with them, trust in them, and they trust in you, and then you move on from there and you do it again. What makes a competitive applicant for emergency medicine? I don't know there's an answer to that. Uh, I think unlike some other specialties where there might be some specific answers to that, uh, I think it's a someone who is well-rounded in their medical training and their medical interests, uh, as opposed to maybe someone going into orthopedics or going into, I mean, cardiology is not something you go into at a medical school, but where it's kind of the almost, you almost want to see someone dedicated to that. They've done six orthopedic rotations and, and all that. Uh, I think we're fine with people having lots of different experiences, and I think that benefits residents and attendings in emergency medicine probably Sounds semantic to say like someone who's done well on their tests and someone who's studied hard and someone who's a good student overall. 
Uh, that's no different than any other specialty. But someone who's accepting of change, someone who's kind of up for a challenge, if you will, someone who's had a lot of different experiences in life uh, is always a benefit because it goes along with being able to make connections with a diverse uh, swath of society. Is matching competitive for emergency medicine? It has become, yeah. I think there we when I went through, I think there would usually be maybe four to four to eight spots left in the country after the match. Uh, and over the last few years, I think the last two or three years, there's been no spots or maybe one or two spots. It's become quite competitive. What do you think is driving that? Uh, a general twin, a trend in the expectations people have for themselves and their career, which lead to a desire for shift work and maybe working a little less hours. Than, I'm not saying work harder or less hard, but working a little less hours than other specialties. Whereas the old mentality is, I mean, people were called house officers because they lived at the they lived at the hospital like it was their house. That mentality is gone, I think, for the better. And along with that comes uh, a lot of people that want to go into a specialty where they can come home to their kids and come home to their family. They can go do their own hobbies on a, on a regular basis and have time to do that and have a good work life balance, which I think we we definitely do in emergency medicine. So I think that's probably the main driver in the, I'm not saying it's, it's massively changed. It's not like we were uncompetitive and now we're competitive. It's a, it's a slow process of becoming more competitive. But I think that's the main driver is people looking for the, the lifestyle that emergency medicine provides. What is residency like? A lot depends on what residency you go to. I was uh, very happy with where I ended up in that it was a very strong family atmosphere. People had a really good, one of the highlights was a strong work-life balance that's not always true in every residency. In every specialty, every residency is different. But residency is a little less of what I've described as the typical day. You obviously have probably only about half of your time is in the emergency department. I may even be off on that. It may be less than half your time is actually spent as an emergency physician during residency because you need a lot of diverse knowledge and diverse interests or uh, diverse experiences, sorry. You uh, do a lot of off-service rotations. You're rotating in pretty much every specialty out there just to get a a, get a sense of how they operate so that you can interact with them over the phone quickly and kind of understand where they're coming from and understand what, what they have to offer. Then also get that basic basic knowledge base that they have. So it is a little different than being a full-time emergency physician because you have a lot of diverse rotations, a lot of diverse experiences in all different specialties of medicine. Expand on the comment that you made about the the residency that you went to being very family oriented. How how do you determine that when you're looking at residencies? It's, a, it's obviously a little bit difficult. There's no magic way, but I think the strongest thing is most residencies. I don't know if they do it in other specialties. I think they do. Is usually when you go for an interview, they will have the night we call it a night before. There's different names for it. The interview starts at eight a.m. in the morning, and the night before at seven o'clock. There's although you meet at a bar, you meet at a restaurant, you meet at someone's house anyone that's interviewing the next day is welcome to meet a bunch of residents or whoever shows up. And I think that's the key is to go to those. You get to meet some of the residents and you can really get a sense of what they think of the residency, what their work-life balance is like. And those are the questions to ask, not kind of what restaurants are good in the area. It's kind of how do you, which is often what people do, but it's kind of how is your work-life balance? Do you find that the residency supports your activities outside of medicine? Do you have feel like you have enough time off to maintain a lifestyle, to spend time with your family. And I think you get a good sense of the residency through those experiences, meeting the residents the night before is more so than you probably do on the residency day because, I mean, let's call it as it is, a, a lot of that's going to be kind of canned speeches and canned presentations. But also there is some truth to the presentations. 
when you have an hour-long presentation, usually starts the morning on your interview day. Here's who we are. Here's our residency. Here's the rotations you do. If there's a lot in there about kind of work-life balance, a lot in there about kind of how they support their residents, about resident wellness, then that's probably a program that that talks about those things. If you're sitting there and it's an hour long of what rotations you do and the prestigious research that your that their residency has put out and there's nothing about wellness, well, that might tell you something. What do you wish you knew going into emergency medicine? I guess I wish, now this is not a negative. As much as everyone will tell you, don't watch the show ER and expect <laughs> that that's ER. It really is, and I was accepting of this, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that like this blew my mind and I'm disappointed, but there really is no way to convey as strongly the truth that the majority of your day is dealing with not exciting things. It's dealing with a lot of drug abuse. It's dealing with psychiatric illness. It's dealing with coughs and colds. Uh, is the majority of your day. Those exciting things are only maybe 5% of your patients. Those crazy procedures you see where you're cracking chests and putting chest tubes in and reducing shoulders, that's maybe one in a hundred patients. And not to say that's something I wish I had known, that's something I kind of knew going in, but it is a slightly different type of medicine than I or other people would envision when they're probably starting residency. If you wanted more of that, the the gunshot wounds and the trauma couldn't you, as you're deciding where to work and where to practice, choose a city that is known to have a lot of that sort of trauma and work at a, a hospital that has that sort of trauma? Definitely. My wife's also an emergency physician. We met in residency, and she works at a trauma center and gets gunshot wounds and all that stuff every day. Uh, I get almost none of it in the community, and that's sort of a, a selection. So she obviously selects to uh, work at that kind of place. But with that said even using my wife as an example, with the gunshot wounds and the knife and gun club, as you want to call it, mm. still 95% of her patients are the routine stuff, the marginalized portions of society that end up in the emergency department. Only a very small amount. Now maybe you call it, call it 5% of her patients are the exciting trauma gunshot wound stuff, and maybe 1% of mine are, but it's still a very low percentage. So you have to be accepting that and really as an emergency physician, your job is to take care of Sort of the sick, the weak, the pe- people that the people that don't have somewhere else to go, people with chronic illness, more so than it's maybe advertised. That that's that's your job. What do you wish primary care providers knew about emergency medicine? Oh wow! Can we do a whole one-hour podcast <laughs> on that? Maybe. I think it's the role of emergency medicine. I think there's this, and this is not their fault. I think primary care is really sort of been under attack and really undervalued for maybe the last 25 years to the point where there aren't enough primary care doctors and their resources are very limited. So they're almost forced to make some decisions of how you kind of triage out stuff that they, I won't say can't handle, but just their their practice and their volume can't handle. So we end up with a lot of primary care uh, in the emergency department, which is sort of a byproduct of the system, not a, not a knock on primary care doctors. And there is a lot of what primary care doctors consider emergencies are not things that we consider emergencies. So it's a matter of what our role is, what we're going to be. We are there to stabilize emergencies. We do a lot more than that, but that is our goal and what we do. Had uh, someone with high blood pressure, which is what we get on a near daily basis, people get sent in from primary care doctors for a very high blood pressure. And we look at it and say, okay, you have a very high blood pressure today 
go home and follow up with your primary doctor? And the answer is, well, they sent me here. It's sort of a definition of what is considered an emergency and kind of what resources we have. We, we don't have unlimited resources. We get a lot of referrals from primary care that kind of, oh, you need to see a neurologist, go to the, the emergency department. It's like, well, if you're not having a true neurologic emergency, uh, you're not going to meet a neurologist in the emergency department. You're going to meet an emergency doctor. And we're very good at neurology in many cases. But if the goal as a primary care doctor is to get your patient hooked into neurology and orthopedics or something like that, that may not be what emergency medicine's role is. So I guess what I would like them to know is uh, kind of what our job is, almost like when I said in residency, we rotate on emergency medicine to understand what they do and what their job is. And that's not to say they don't rotate with us in residency as well, but uh, just a kind of an understanding of what our process is, what, what resources we have, and what we can provide to their patients. What about on the on the flip side, the hospitalists that you're admitting to? What would you wish they knew about your job? That's a little bit on the system and the hospitalists. Um, I have I'm very I have a I'm very lucky to have a hospitalist system whereby my admitting hospitalists are sitting ten feet away from me in the emergency department uh, and not in a, not hiding away in a closet or, or anything. They're out there, so they kind of have a sense of. How is Dr. Fries's day going? Like, is he very busy? Um, kind of how can, how can they help me uh, and how can I help them, uh, which is very beneficial. So what, what I would say my hospitalist would like to know is uh, maybe to an extent of kind of there's a lot of, well, the admission criteria are this. And I'm saying, well, this patient has to stay in the hospital. They can't go home, regardless of what your admission criteria are, like come meet the patient kind of thing. So there's a little bit of sentiment between hospitalists and emergency medicine of kind of what's Kind of, I, I, you can you can sit upstairs and Monday morning quarterback all my decisions, but being down here is a little different. Fortunately, I don't have that big issue. But uh, overall, in emergency medicine, hospitalists and emergency physicians, I say, kind of what we'd like them to know is kind of what what resources we have, and and kind of that the the experience of seeing the patient in person is a little different than accepting them up to the floor. But I think we're actually getting better. That's sort of been a point for the last maybe five or ten years is really the relationship between hospitalists and emergency physicians. Because actually emergency medicine is only 40 years old as a specialty, but hospitalist I think is the only other specialty that's younger than us. So there's still a lot of development in the role of hospitalists and how they work with other services. So over the last five years, I think emergency medicine and hospitalist services have actually done a lot of beneficial work to get together and be on the same page. So I think in most cases we have a very good relationship. Are there any other specialties, specific specialties that you work mostly with or a lot with? I really hospitalists would be the, the, the closest one. You're obviously going to talk to a lot of specialists. It depends where you are, too. If you're in an academic center, you may not actually really interact with any attendings. It may be all residents. And depending on where you are in the community, you may be in a very small hospital where when you want the orthopedist, you like call the orthopedist. You want the cardiologist, you call the cardiologist. You want the neurosurgeon, you wake up the neurosurgeon in the middle of the night. There's other hospitals where you're going through a lot of physician assistance. But uh, I'd say it's pretty broad after hospitalists. Um, I talk to pretty much every every type of doctor uh, on occasion about their patients, about uh, patients I need consultation on. So it's not a matter of a specific, a specific um, specialty that I get to know or work with closely. It's kind of understanding how to have a, a positive relationship with all specialties, which can be different and understanding what different specialists want based on their specialty. You can't quite give the same presentation to every type of doctor or every type of specialist. 
You mentioned it a little bit before about some unique opportunities as emergency physicians outside of clinical care. Can you talk about some of those opportunities? Sure. There's um, sort of because we are the broad ranging doctors, if you will, and kind of the we call them or call ourselves the hub of the medical system or the medical home. We kind of get to know all the doctors in the hospital because we're talking to them. Kind of everyone sends their patients to us. And we're right there. We're, we're out in the open. You know where we are. We're not in an office in the community somewhere. Like we're valued for that when it comes to leadership within a hospital, within health systems, within pharmaceutical systems. Because when you're looking for a doctor to do a role that's not straight clinical, you kind of want someone that can that understands medicine as much as they understand their specialty. And I think we're uniquely positioned for that. So when you're looking for administrators in the hospital, uh, you're looking to emergency physicians. Obviously, within the department, you're looking for assistant directors and directors and quality directors and things like that. But even outside the system, I know a lot of people that are CIOs or chief information officers uh, because people love having emergency physicians in that role because we understand how the, the EMR systems and the computer systems affect everyone in the hospital. Obviously, getting up to CEO, like CMO, uh, again, kind of, you know, if you're going to have a doctor in one of those roles, it's good to have someone with a broad range of experiences that kind of knows everyone and can get along with everyone. But even outside that, this is not specific to emergency medicine. You can get involved in pharmaceuticals. You can get involved in consulting. You can get involved in your community, working with high school sports teams, kind of like everyone loves an emergency physician. I hate to say the example of being on a plane and when they call for a doctor, you don't really want the psychiatrist or the orthopedist <laughs> technically to show up. You want an emergency physician. But that, that analogy kind of holds true in the community as well. When people need someone for the community medical board, when people need sort of a medical advisor to the soccer team, when people need a, a physician to be on hand for a sports game, they kind of want an emergency physician. So you're uniquely positioned to do a lot of those things. Uh, I'm, I work a lot in leadership. I'm very involved in the American College of Emergency Physicians, kind of sitting on committees that go over practice management, go over patient satisfaction surveying, that go over how we want to sort of legislative issues about kind of how the laws affect medicine, how laws affect emergency medicine, which I find very interesting. I go to Washington once a year and go to a conference there, and we meet with actually our representatives and senators on the Hill and talk about some of the issues that are facing us and current bills that are up that affect us. Uh, I find that very interesting. That's sort of my side item. But there, there's any any number of ways you can go. What do you like the most about being an emergency physician? My everyday, my, my everyday job, I, I would have to say. Uh, I like having... Uh, I, I like having... Sort of like not having call and like having the, the schedule of shift work where I can have totally be dedicated to my family and be dedicated to everything outside of medicine when I'm not in the hospital. And I like when I'm in the hospital being sort of on... I never liked in, re in medical school and residency when I was on services where you were kind of there for 20 hours and you were probably working 12 of them, if you will. And the rest of the time you were kind of just hanging out waiting for labs and then because you knew in three hours you're going to have to round again. So it was just kind of collecting information where I like when in emergency medicine, when I'm there, I am working. Like I'm seeing patients, I'm working hard, and then when it's time to go, I'm going home. Uh, it's not kind of the stop and go kind of lifestyle of maybe an internal medicine doctor or maybe a cardiologist that's in the office for a while and then has a lunch break and kind of comes back and then maybe we have to make some phone calls after that. Uh, I kind of like being on the whole time and then going home. On the flip side, what do you like least? Maybe the same kind of answer, uh, a little bit of the, the shift work and nights and weekends. Um, not to say I, that's something I accept as part of my job and, and many sometimes I enjoy that. I actually work a lot. 
I actually enjoy a lot of my overnight shifts, but but it does take a little toll on you. It, it takes some time out of your life when you have to take a nap before your shift and take a nap after your shift when you're working overnights. I actually don't mind the weekends that much, other than maybe in the summer. I mean, in the summer when there's seems every single weekend someone in your friend or family pool has some event that they want you to go to, and half the, I work. Most people are going to work half half of the weekends as an emergency physician. Um, so half your weekends is particularly for me in the summer when there's a lot of things going on. It gets a little tough. And you're a little jealous of the or from my, my physician colleagues that are in different specialties where they're just off every weekend. Then they have that set time with their family. On the flip side, I love having a random Tuesday and Wednesday off. Currently, I'm sitting at home right now doing this interview. My wife is in the other room with my child, and we actually have the whole day off today and the whole day off tomorrow together. So Wednesday and Thursday during the day, we are completely off together. Uh, it's almost like our weekend. But I mean, if I had to pick one thing, I know that's kind of a, a weak answer because it's something I sort of cherish as well. But it is kind of accepting that you're going to be working nights and weekends and some inconvenient times and you don't have that very, very predictable schedule that some people have. I'd say it's safe to assume that if you had to do it all over again, you would still choose emergency medicine? I would, no question. What do you see as the future of emergency medicine? I think something uh, something I had alluded to earlier is we've had this slow trend of a lot of things that used to be outpatient coming to the emergency department. A lot of, sort of community resource things ended up in the emergency department now. And I think we are, as emergency medicine, for about 15 years or so, maybe until recently, we've kind of tried to put our hand up and stop that, if you will, and go, well, we need to educate you on why to come to the emergency department. Like, sort of, this isn't our role necessarily to do a lot of primary care stuff. But I think almost the cat's out of the bag now, and that's unfortunately due to a lot of problems with our American healthcare system. That's where people are ending up, and that's sort of the role we're being forced to take on. And over the last couple of years, and I think down the road, we're going to actually have to embrace that and really reach out to that. I mean, we've taught, In emergency medicine, we've talked about doing a lot of follow-up care, whereas when people have outpatient stuff that they just can't get follow-up appointments for, we, maybe we do a little more of that primary care aspect. Maybe we do a little more observation medicine, whereas as opposed to admitting patients, we're holding on to them and taking care of their workup where they can't necessarily be admitted and actually becoming more of that community hub. Maybe it is that it's, if you feel sick, uh, instead of going to your primary doctor, maybe the standard does become, and I don't think this is in the next five years, this is maybe in the next, but maybe in the next 10, 15 years, uh, a generalized health system where when you don't feel good, you don't go see your primary doctor, you come to the emergency department, even if it's not what would be considered an emergency, and we're kind of the, the brokers of healthcare uh, in a way. We're sort of the hub of healthcare, and sort of everything comes to us, and we then kind of get you where you need to be, more so than we already do. We already do that to an extent, but uh, even kind of embracing it and setting up systems whereby we actually have a process for us being sort of the center of medical care. A lot of people are over, I mean, a lot of people in other specialties are overworked and don't have the ability to to provide some of the resources that the community expects of them. Uh, that's not a knock on them. That's just where the health care system has went. Uh, and I think we actually are in a decent position to be sort of the brokers of health care and sort of the hub of the medical, of the American health care system. Hmm. Interesting. Any last words of wisdom for those interested in emergency medicine? Try it out and try it in different settings. Try and find rotations that are diverse. I see a lot of people come through and it's hard to avoid this, but they'll they'll rotate. They've done two or three emergency medicine rotations and they've done it all at big trauma centers. 
And I think that's fine. That's almost what you get pushed into when you're in medical school. But try and find some community medicine. Try and find something that's a little peripheral to emergency medicine. Do an ultrasound rotation. Do a community medicine rotation abroad, which is basically emergency medicine in the United States. Uh, do some diverse experiences and kind of understand, sort of as I alluded to before, what emergency medicine is outside of the major trauma center. Uh, I think that's important. All right, there you go. Session number two is in the books, emergency medicine. I hope you learned something today. I know emergency medicine, when I put out a call for requests on what specialties people wanted to hear from, emergency medicine was right up there at the top because it's becoming more and more popular. And as we discussed, it's most likely because of of the the, the shift schedule, the shift work, and having a little bit more work-life balance. You're working hard, as Dan talked about, but you you have these set hours, so that's kind of cool. Next week, we're going to dive in and talk all about, it's a surprise, all about another specialty. I'll give you that hint. So I hope you join us next week. If you haven't yet subscribed, please subscribe in iTunes, in Google Play Music, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this through your Chrome browser, Safari browser, Internet Explorer, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on a browser, go find the podcast app for your device and subscribe to the show and all the shows that we do over at mededmedia.com. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week here at the Specialty Stories Podcast.